Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, and I'm joined by my lovely wife, Rochelle. Rochelle, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great today, Malcolm. The sun is out. The sun's out. It's a little warmer today. Beautiful spring day. I'm ready for this. We have one more cold spell coming. I think uh supposed to dip down a little bit this weekend, but after that, I promise you, it's going to warm up, Shell. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. <laughs> spring is on the way. I'm expecting it to still be cold at Memphis in May. No, it not be. <laughs> That's all I got to say. So I'm this... getting porticles, and we'll have Mystic fans set up, and it's going to be hot. I promise. <laughs> That's the way I want it. So... This week, let's just jump right in. All right. What are we going to talk about today on the podcast? Well, this week we cooked molasses glazed salmon. Yeah. You know, I touched on that last week about kind of what I wanted to do. and You had an idea last week, but you really kind of... I made it happen this week. <laughs> <laughs> now, we went and picked up some fresh salmon this week. and I actually Which found, was a little bit of a challenge, actually. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I found it at Sam's, our Sam's Club. I don't know if they've done this in y'all's area, but... They've really revamped our uh, meat and seafood departments. And there's, man, we're seeing Wagyu beef in there. They've got some heritage pork. I've seen Berkshire pork loins and tenderloins and chops. But the seafood department now is out of this world. They've got all kinds of fresh fish coming in. And they had some sockeye salmon fillets. And I think uh, they're about 15 bucks each, the ones I bought. And they they were, were big fillets. Yeah. And I, hey, I did the right thing. I asked them, I want to smell these fillets first. I wasn't going to buy any fishy salmon. <laughs> And so I brought them home, and I just cut them into the portion size I wanted. I, I, I did like, you know, four to six ounces, just a good size uh, portion of fish you'd serve at dinner or something like that. I uh, made sure all the bones were out because there was a few little of those pin bones that you just need to fill around for on top of each fillet and pull those out with a pair of pliers. If, I mean, if you can't grab them, I, I just use something to kind of ease them out. But uh, you don't want anybody to get bones when you're serving them fish, but... My idea was I was kind of going for a grilled salmon. I wanted to put a like a, a molasses glaze on it, some kind of sweet glaze. A lot of people use maple syrup or, you know, you see people use uh, brown sugar, honey, something like that. But I went with molasses. I kind of like that flavor, that rich, yeah. dark flavor that molasses gives it. And then I wanted to use a peppery pastrami-like rub. So I went with the pastrami seasoning that I'd used for smoked pastrami before. And uh, it just went on the Traeger. Uh, you know, I ran it up about 325. Uh, made the glaze up. It was real simple, and put it on the outside of the fillets and seasoned them and let them set for a little while just to absorb some of that flavor. It would have been really good if I'd had more time. I think four to six hours sitting with that glaze and that seasoning on it would have made it, you know, really uh, the molasses flavor stand, you know, shine a little bit more. I guess you'd say. Will fish absorb? Yeah, fish, I mean, fish is kind of neutral, so it's going to take whatever you put on it and so a marinade or a glaze or something like that works really well but i mean it still had a lot of flavor but i'd like to you know had a little more time in that marinade i agree it cooked really fast was it 20 25 minutes yeah. tops and what temperature were you cooking um at? i was wanting to get it to about medium which is like 135 no, what temp were you cooking on, on the, the traeger the traeger i had it set for 325 okay and it was, I mean, I did some asparagus along with the side for and th- those asparagus. You know, we do asparagus at least once a week, but we always do them in the oven, uh, kind of at a higher, like 425 temp. But 
I wanted to do them alongside the salmon, so I bumped it down to 325. And I'm going to tell you, man, those, that asparagus was awesome. We've never done them on that grill. And that the little tips on the edges got real crispy. Yeah. But the And it had so much flavor. It had that grill flavor to it. But the rest of the asparagus was still kind of firm. And That's how I like yeah. I can't stand like a mushy taste in asparagus where it's overcooked. And it just it takes all the flavor away when you yeah. do it like that. You want a little Cooking snap. It, it's almost like al dente. I mean, yeah. you know, it's 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 not blanched or anything like that. You cooked it straight raw, right on the grill, and it's got a great flavor. And you know, um, I'm going to do that again and wrap it either in some bacon or some prosciutto, something like that. Maybe little bundles. Yeah, make little. I've done that on the regular grill, and that turned out okay. But a lot of times. It takes so long to cook the, the bacon that the asparagus gets overcooked or it starts burning up. But I think on that Traeger, or, you know, it'd work on any pellet grill if you kept it in about 325 like that. Yeah. It would get it just right in about 30 minutes. You could also do green bean bundles like yeah, that. Yeah. I want to try too. green beans on it now. Yeah. Like the, the big. The little, the little green bean like a like you do for holidays or something mm-hmm. like that. The long green beans. Yeah. Yeah, that would Like be the really real good. green beans. Yeah, heck yeah. yeah. Season them up. Well, so you cooked the salmon, and it, it took less time than I expected it to. Yeah, it was about 20, 25 minutes. Let it rest a little bit. It was flaky and juicy. I mean, that sockeye, man, it, it just had a great taste all yeah. the way through it. There was no fishy taste at all. You know, I'm not a big uh, salmon eater. I'm not either. I, mean, I'll, I'll I used it. to like salmon, and then I tried redfish and sole. Yeah, all these other fish that taste better, sea bass. Yeah. <laughs> well, salmon, I mean, you know, I've, the reason why I say I don't like it, I've had some bad salmon, and that turns me off of it. I'm not eating catfish. Do you remember? Not, if, it's, if it's fishy, if it tastes fishy or smells fishy, I can't swallow it. I mean, I'm not, you know. Do you remember the time I made you salmon and it was like some frozen salmon that was? That's the worst dish I say you've ever made. I call it mayonnaise salmon. <laughs> And that might be what ruined me off of it. Shell's famous mayonnaise salmon. And I don't know where you found that recipe. What depths of hell we drugged that out of? Like after yeah. I'd cooked. Oh man, that was horrid. And that's probably been ten, I don't years, know, 10 ago. years ago. Yeah, I still remember it. God, I can smell it. But this salmon was a lot better. It was. No, no, this salmon we did on the trigger was awesome. It's night and day. I'm talking about steakhouse quality dish. Yeah, it was really I good. I wore that at a restaurant. Yeah. Man, they really said, no, nah, dog. <laughs> I ain't doing it. <laughs> so we talked about our recipe, and today I wanted to talk to you about... Um, tools and equipment. Barbecue tools, barbecue equipment. Yeah. What you use, what you got to have, and then, you know, some things that make your life easier and some things that are just straight up gimmicks. Don't waste your money. So, yeah, we get questions all the time about essential tools, stuff you really need to barbecue with. And, you know, of course, you got to have a smoker grill. Yeah, but that's a whole different conversation. Whatever kind you decide to use, that's on you. Just know you're going to have to have something. (laughs) If you're like me, you need about a dozen of them, (laughs) different ones. But um, some of the stuff, the very first thing that comes to mind, besides my smoker or grill that I'm cooking on, I've got to have thermometers. And the thermopin is the one I go to. It's the best. There's all kinds of... It's an investment. The thermopin's an investment, but it's worth it. I'm gonna drop a hundred bucks. I mean, heck, you can catch them when they have an open box sale, though, and get them for seventy-five, 75 bucks, bucks yeah. something like that. You need some uh, instant read thermometers and probe type, you know, the wired thermometers, just so you can watch those internals. What's the old rule? If you're looking, you ain't cooking, or you know, you, you add time to your cooks by having to open up the cooker, let all the heat out, check your temps, 
close the lid, let it bounce back. That up and down changes the way meat cooks. So I'm a big thing of, I'm a big proponent of using wired probe thermometers. And I have probably, I don't know, 30 of them because we, <laughs> you know, when we're cooking whole shoulders, say Memphis and May, we got 12 whole shoulders on. I want a thermometer each of them. Yeah. And, you know, every time we cook KCBS, I've got a thermometer in, in, in every piece of meat I'm cooking besides chicken, you know, or ribs, but the big meats is what I'm talking about. Yeah. But, you know, you use, I use these at home too, not just for comps. And, and the, it took you a long time to build this supply you have too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't buy all these at once. These are over the years. But no, get you a good wired probe thermometer. Um once again I'm going to Thermalworks. They the have, dot they is thirty seven dollars. Yeah, they run into on the open like box that. for twenty five all yeah. the time. I mean, I don't know. I started out buying those cheap, you know, Mavericks or whatever, the little white ones, the pond holders. Yeah, like five, $10 ones. Yeah, yeah. I'd spend 10, 15 bucks on one of those. I'd buy them and they'd last, you know, a couple months and then they'd crap out on you. Yeah. But I've had all my Thermalworks stuff for years and never had any trouble out of it. You spend a little bit more, but it's worth it. You gave me a pink Thermapen. Um, Six years ago, yeah, maybe for Christmas stocking stuff. No, it was Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, hey, that's a great Valentine's gift. I would love to get one. <laughs> Not pink, but. but I have. I mean, I've never had a problem out of. I think we had to replace the battery one yeah. time. That's about the only thing you will have. And if you yeah. do have any trouble, you can send it back to them. They yeah. get great customer service. But so besides the thermometers, um, you know, some of the important stuff is holding. You know, we always talk about when we take meat off, we got to hold it or let it rest. We use Cambros. We touched that briefly last week. I think the Carlisle. brand I use Carlisle. But you don't know, think about it. Get you a cooler. It doesn't have to be an expensive cooler. Those Walmart Coleman's, they work great for holding. It's a Pacific Islander or Island Breeze. That's what they're called. The red ones that we oh, use. Oh, is that what it is? The, the cheap, no drain? Just, yeah, it's an $18 yeah. Island Breeze. The red and white cooler. Yeah. Those, those coolers hold meat great. What's the blue coolers um, that you use sometimes for holding ribs? Um, I, It's called like a... A party yeah, the party stacker. Yeah. It's a little shorter. Those work great for holding ribs. Yeah. But just know that you're going to need something that you're going to hold in. And the, the insulation in the cooler not only keeps stuff cold, it keeps stuff really warm, too. And, you know, if you're just putting one butt in a cooler, you may need to take up some of that airspace. So have you, keep you some old towels or an old moving blanket. Anything that you can put in there to eat up some of that airspace is going to extend those hold times. Um, your big meats definitely, you know, need to be held. You'll hear me say, you know, you want to hold this brisket for two hours or butts for, you know, hour, two hours. The cooler is my tool for doing that at home. I don't have a camera at home. I mean, the, my car aisles are on my comp trailer. And so at home, we just use those little cheap coolers, mm-hmm. and they work. I mean, I'm not saying go out and buy a Yeti for it, but, you know. Just make sure you rinse them out as soon as you get finished holding them. Yeah, that's, wipe a, them that's, down. that's a pro tip right there. <laughs> they will get funky, I'm telling you. Wash them out, wipe them just out. Just wipe them out real quick with hit some Clorox, the, Clorox wipes. Yeah, hit them, with the, hit them with the Clorox wipe. That's easy. You go back um, two months later, and you haven't done it, and you've got yeah. a science experiment in there. Uh, something else you're going to need is a good set of knives. They don't have to be expensive knives. They just need to be decent knives. What knives do you need? We, What's the essential knives you need for your barbecue at home? Well, uh, so I would say you at least need a fillet knife. That's for cutting ribs or for doing, you know, it's a flexible five, about a five and a half inch removing blade. Removing silver skin. Yeah, removing silver skin. We are anything trimming wise. I like to have a fillet knife handy. I like to have a good stiff uh, boning knife. That's about a six inch blade, but you know, it's not flexible. It's, it's, it's got a little more firmness to it. That way you can, you know, you can get through some of the cartilage on a slab of ribs. 
Chef's knife is always handy to have. Um, you know, um, I'll, I like to have a little paring knife if there's something small that I need to do. Um, but that's really about it. And nice. Slicer. You don't, yeah, well, yeah, you got to have a slicer. And you'll see I use one of those Dexter Russell brisket slicers, what I call it. But I think it's just a roast beef slicer. It's scallop, a 12-inch scallop, scallop edge. Scallop yeah. roast beef slicer. And those, that's your essential barbecue tools. You don't need every knife in the you know the arsenal for, for doing barbecue. Just a good knife to trim with, a heavy chef's knife for prep, a little paring knife. Filet knife and a slicer. And the dip. Five pieces. Yeah. And, and you know, I'll also add a, a, just one other thing to add to that a set of those kitchen shears. Yeah. Those come in handy too. I use them all the time for rounding out edges on, you know, brisket or pork or for cooking. Uh, Spatchcock and chicken. Yeah, they work great for going through chicken. But you know, if you got those tools, you've got a decent set of knives. Uh, to sharpen my knives, I'm no knife sharpener by any means, but I've found the easiest thing for me. It is a set of crock sticks. I think the company is called Lans- Lansky, and they make you can buy these at uh, Academy, Bass Pro, Walmart. I've seen them. Amazon has them. Amazon has They're them. They're not expensive. They're like 15, yeah, 20 15, bucks. 20 bucks. What it is, it's this little wooden block, and it comes with two sets of uh, sticks. One's a steel rod set, one's a ceramic rod set, and they have pre-tapped uh, holes in that little wooden block to set your angle that you're going to put your edge on your knife. I think I, the one I always use is about 20 degrees, I think, 25. I, I can't remember the exact number, but it's the outside one. And then the angle's on the rod, so all you have to do is hold the knife straight, which I could hold the knife straight and draw it. The hard thing for me is holding it at the right angle all the time. And I just use those on my knives, and it'll get them razor sharp. Uh, those Dexter Russell knives are you know, really inexpensive. Yeah, and, they're a good you know, quality knife that you can get into yeah. that's reasonably priced. I have a couple expensive knives. It's a couple shuns that we, I mean, I've dropped some coin on. I've got Christmas You got to forgive. Yeah. yeah. But I don't use those as my everyday knives because I don't want to get them dinged up. I don't want to, you know, I'd hate to lose one. But these Dexter Russells, man, you know, we're out doing barbecue. Somebody's always want to borrow a knife. So I just, you know, here, borrow this knife. You may or may not get it back and <laughs> throw them in a sink. You know, you don't really care. We're outside, you know. So I don't, it doesn't hurt me as bad if I ding one of these knives up or it goes down in the garbage disposal and <laughs> it goes on a little ride. That doesn't hurt me. But if my son did that, oh man, I'd be upset. You'd cry. I'd cry. Just a little. <laughs> but no, so get you a good, decent set of knives and know how to sharpen them. Uh, you know, the basic sharpener works. Uh, hand protection. That's something I have to have. You, you know, I get that question all the time. I even did a little video on what I use for hand protection. But I use, it's so simple, a pair of white cotton glove liners. Um, you know, you can find them online. I've seen them at Tractor Supply. I think Walmart even has them in like we the, the glove section. Yeah, we sell them <laughs> on our website. But that's the base layer. That lets me hold hot meat. And so what we're putting over the white cotton gloves is just a nitrile glove. And i got big hands, so I'm using like the extra large size nitrile gloves, and they fit right over the cotton, no mm-hmm. problem. It actually makes putting that nitrile glove on easier to me to have a cotton glove liner on because it doesn't stick to your hands. Yeah. If you know, it's outside in summertime, hands are oily, you know, they're, you know, got a little moisture on them. It's hard to put those nitrile gloves on. But once you've got a cotton glove on, that goes away. You just slide it right on. It stretches and boom. And I like it because if you're working with raw meat, especially outside, um, you just pull that black nitrile glove off, throw it away. You can yeah. put a new one right back on, and you're clean and ready to go. Oh, yeah. Some of those um, barbecue gloves that you buy that are plastic for working with hot meat, it, if you were working with raw meat, you'd have to go inside and wash those gloves and 
I don't use those yeah. ever at all. Yeah. It's always a natural glove. You'll see me a lot of times just run them on one hand. I like to keep one hand dry. That's the hand I hold my knife with. That's the hand I grab the seasoning bottle with. And then one hand gloved up because that's when I'm doing prep. That's how I'm, you know, if I'm touching the meat, if I'm flipping it around, whatever, running seasoning, I always have like a wet hand and a dry hand. Yeah, prevents cross-contamination. Yeah, I mean, that's a big on that. So that takes us to cutting boards. Well, no, you don't use those gloves for everything. You use them for dealing with the hot meat and stuff like that, but you also need a fire basket glove. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you got to have something for heat, and that's, you know, we've started using just, I know you've probably seen these heat-proof gloves. Um, We actually have some on the website now, but they're just like a, a black knit glove that has a little bit of fireproofing in it, mm-hmm. so it gives you a little bit more heat tolerance. I think they say they go up to like eight hundred. Yeah, it's crazy. Degrees. Yeah, and I'm grab. I mean, I'm not scared to grab a hot rack with it or grab my fire basket and pull it out. I mean, you're not going to sit there and hold it or walk around yeah. with it, but it gives you enough heat protection to pick up a chimney without burning your hand, to take a rack off, to you know. I wouldn't, don't pick up a piece of charcoal and hold it in your hand. It's just <laughs> moron move. But, you know, nothing's, I mean, I don't have a glove that's going to stand up to that. But for grabbing hot stuff, moving, you know, racks, pans, get you a set of heat-resistant gloves. Yeah. And keep those by. I mean, they're, you know, they're not that expensive. 20 bucks. Yeah, 20 bucks to get you a pair. That's a... And they'll last for a while. Yeah. So that covers the gloves you need. Yeah. Now. Now. now <laughs> going back to food safety. We're talking about cutting boards. And I use plastic cutting boards. I know in my videos, you'll see me use the booze block. That's the wooden cutting board. I only use wood on and with meat actually touches it when it's completely cooked. That's the only time I would use that board. If I'm seasoning or if I'm doing something else, I'm going to have it in a different kind of container or on a plastic board that I can easily put in the dishwasher and wash. Yeah, You also use those uh, disposable cutting boards. I use those a lot for prep. If I'm getting ready for a contest, I'm, you know that's what I have on the counter. Um, what do they call those? Clean sheets, I think. Yeah, something I think called, like yeah, that. I think they're called clean sheets or quick quick sheets or quick boards or something. I, I bought them from uh, either Big Papa Smokers has them or Barbecue Superstore is where I order them from. Um, there was some other place that sells them. The guy that really sells them, I think it's I can't it's Hilltop a, something, yeah. or something. That's where they come. That's where they are. Smoky Mountain Smokers. I think that's exactly what it's called. I think. But that's who distributes them, as far as I know, and that's probably where Big Papa or or uh, Barbecue Superstore gets them. I don't know. They may yeah. have some other thing going, but everybody I've talked to says go back to them. But they just what, buy them in a box of like 25. I usually buy two boxes. They come taped together, and I ship them right to you. And those are easy, especially if you're you know out at an event doing some prep. Tailgating. Yeah, I like them at home for the kitchen counter, though. I'll throw those down instead of messing up a cutting board and just toss it when I get through. Um, they're... They're really big. Yeah. They're they're huge. They're cut resistant. I mean, you're not going to get multiple uses out of them, but for, you know, trimming at home, it doesn't get any easier than that. We also have, uh, would you call them sani-safe? Yeah, I think those boards. are kind of san- santa-safe boards. Yeah. Dishwasher-safe. Yeah. They're just, I know everybody's seen them. They're, they come in different colors, and a lot of people will use you know, a specific color for a specific protein. We got, you know, if you if you do vegetables, have you one board that you do vegetables on? But we have, I know we have bunches of them yeah. up in our uh, cabinet to where I mean, they're all clean and we use them for different stuff. But the only thing I worry so much about is doing chicken. I try to always do it on the same kind of board. Just, I'm, you know, I don't want to get anybody chicken sick. That's the last <laughs> thing. <laughs> but, what so, else? Cutting boards, knives, gloves, thermometers. thermometers. Yeah. 
coolers. Chimneys. You gotta have a charcoal yeah. chimney. I mean that's how I start all my fires. I'm not building you know, I'm not the pyramid building guy. I run a couple Weber chimneys. Uh I use the little wax cubes, they're easy. Um Walmart's been giving me trouble finding them though. I used to buy them at Walmart all the time. This season I haven't been able to find them. So I ordered them off Amazon. It's like where I buy everything. Well, B&B is supposed to have some. I'm excited to try those. Uh, Joey's supposed to be sending us some to test out. It's like they're the same fire starter that uh, Big Green Egg has. The little wafer looks like a stack of graham crackers. But I said yeah. he's got to break off a cube of that. So I'm excited to try some of those because, uh, you know, I want to use B&B products when I can. But um, you got to have good charcoal. That's another thing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, tell me what your definition of a good charcoal is. I just want something that's clean burning that you know doesn't doesn't give Natural. off too much ash. That's reasonable that I can find at a store. No fillers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all that's big when I'm running um, competitions. I try to you know I want to use the cleanest product I can. So the smoke flavor is all that we're getting on our meat. When I'm cooking at home, heck, I'll burn blue cake for blue if I have to. If I'm out of everything else. I mean, a lot of that stuff, though, you know, your your Kingsford, some of those cheaper charcoals, has so much other stuff other than wood in it that they've used to make the actual charcoal. That's where your fillers come in. It's just, it's got a lot of starch in it. That's what makes so much ash. I mean, yeah. And I hate, I hate when you open your firebox door and, you know, all the ash is blowing everywhere. It's sucking it back in your cooker. And Kingsford's bad about that. But uh, Royal Oak's good. I used it for a long time. Uh, you know, I got to where I couldn't find the Chef Select around anywhere. And once the charcoal warehouse quit selling to the public, um, I can't get, can't get it, you know. I can still use B&B's some, a yeah, really B&B, great. Yeah, B&B's coming on, and, you know, we're going to work with them. Hopefully, I'm get them to send us some to test out some more of. I, I love that the lump that I've been using. It's been really good. Get a good long burn off lump, which usually, you know, lump's notorious about burning out. But their lump seems to be longer better burning like yeah. what they say on the back <laughs> <laughs> i've got some good long burns out of it we also have a lot of people tell us that trader joe's has a good brand trader joe's I've yeah never, where's one of those in atlanta yeah maybe? they that's a little way for us <laughs> yeah but i wish we had if you live close to yeah one, if you live close to trader joe's try out there and their two buck chuck wine i hear is good <laughs> 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 if you like wine so uh you brought up uh fire baskets and ash and everything is there anything that you have well, yeah, you got to have that metal bucket to put your ash in, a little fireplace shovel. That's that's essential tools for me. The stuff I think is essential is stuff that I use all the time. Yeah. And that's two things. I'm cleaning out my cookers. I'm, you know, I'm going to scoop out my ash. That's the easiest way to do that. Um, you also use a silver um, ice scoop sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. I use that for adding charcoal to the fire a lot yeah. of times. And it's just one of those ice scoops I got it. Uh, Restaurant yeah, it's like a restaurant supply store here in Memphis, but you can find them online. It's just a metal ice scoop, and that works great. It's the big one, like you would see in a restaurant where they're scooping on a lot of ice, and that works great for for adding coal to a fire. It's better than those plastic ones I've seen. Those plastic ones always end up tearing up. You break them in the bag, but the metal one's not gonna not gonna break. Well, are there anything that are straight up gimmicks? <laughs> There's a lot of straight up gimmicks. When I was in Kroger the other day, they've changed their little section you know their little uh holiday section now it's all grilling stuff yeah. and and seasonal outdoor living oil. yeah they're seasonal oil. and it's just you walk down there and it is just a bunch of, of a, stuff that you'll never use there's a ton <laughs> of that stuff i mean it's all probably made in china 
Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you can go there and look and think of this stuff. I mean, how many sets of metal skewers are you going to use? Yeah. Right. And everybody's got one of those grill tool sets. Yeah, the grill tool <laughs> set. Man, those big grilling tongs. I've probably got a dozen of those. <laughs> and it's, I guess it's just cheap cheap stuff that they think they're going to sell. Yeah. It makes it a quick gift for somebody. But you don't need those. You don't need the big <laughs> spatula, the three-foot-long spatula or the tongs or the the fork I mean, yeah. how many times have we used that meat fork and all that stuff's just gimmick stuff I and mean, i would say maybe a grill co- cover but you never hardly use yours i mean i should use a grill cover yeah. that's something that kind of goes along with protecting your stuff but um you know i try to i try to keep my stuff wiped down and clean and out of the weather as much as possible if you do have your grill out in the sun it's not the rain the water so much that tears them up it's the sun Sun, the sun is so hard beating down on something that it just fades all your fades anything that's plastic. You know, just it'll uh, tear up a tear up thermometers. thermometers. Yeah. yeah, heck yeah, the sun's bad on stuff. So I would I would highly suggest using a grill cover if you're if you don't have a covered cooking there. I tell you some other stuff that I have to have some aluminum foil. I mean, you're gonna see barbecue guys using aluminum foil. It's your friend. I don't care how bad you know <laughs> Texas a crunch. it gets the Texas crunch, whatever. Aluminum foil is your friend. Also, aluminum pans. I use the half pans and the large pans. I call them large. We call them small and large. But they we buy them at Sam's, and they come in you know, the small pans. The half pans come in. They're steam pack. pans, aren't they? Um, yeah, that's what they are. Yeah. They're, they're pan, aluminum pans for steam trays. Yeah. They make half size and full size. But I use those all the time. Not the lid so much. We, we usually just full over the top of them if we're having to wrap them up. But they're great for... Prepping in, they're great for taking meat all on and off the grill. Heck, if you got a party, we serve out of them a lot of times. Mm-hmm. They're just easy. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I can pull a couple butts in one of those pans in, in no time. Yeah. And you, it's quick to throw away. You pull a couple butts and pack them in a, one of those small pans. It'll hold like almost two butts, two pulled butts in oh. those small pans. You cover it with foil, put it in a dry cooler. It'll stay warm for a yeah. long time. Keeps your cooler clean. Those, they're just easy. Um, you got to have some butcher's twine. I find myself using that all the time for tying up chickens, tying up, you know, roast, or even when we're doing ribeye steaks and SCA contests, we put a string around it to hold the shape. That's something that's in my tote. Um, injector. Got to have a good meat injector if you're going to do barbecue. Um, we, I'm the BDI guy. I mean, that's the green with the siphon hose, and it's kind of like a gun. Uh, those things work great. You can also um, just use a regular turkey yeah. injector. Yeah, those all those injections you see around Thanksgiving time um, come with a little injector. And those are just a simple syringe type with a needle inside it. I mean, I have a couple of those in my little knife box at all times in case my other injector, you know, ain't cooperating with me. And sometimes they will get stopped up. I mean, if you're not careful and... And um, straining your mixtures and stuff real and good. And washing you can it stop after up. every... Yeah, you can stop up an injector real easy. So you want to make sure you keep them good and clean. But, I mean, I've had butcher the same pa- one a long time. Butcher uh, paper? Butcher paper something that, you know, that's kind of new to people, but they've been using it a long time. It's new to us. Yeah, I, mean, I love <laughs> it on brisket. That's, I mean, that's about the only thing that I use it for. I don't know. Mark cooked some ribs wrapped in butcher paper that were pretty awesome. I, you know, it, it gets a better bark or better texture on the outside of whatever you're cooking. A lot of times you wrap it in foil. The foil does such a great job of trapping in steam and heat and moisture that it kind of softens up everything. Well, butcher paper, you keep your bark because it absorbs that moisture and the steam escapes it some. So, you know, you get a little bit more 
Texas style barks, what mm -hmm. I call it, but that just means it has a little more crunchy texture than you know, it's not as moist. So butcher paper's good. If y'all hadn't tried it, go get you some. You can find I, it on Amazon. You might convince me otherwise, but I really think that the meat has a better flavor when it's wrapped in butcher paper versus full. It's almost like it more smoke gets in or well yeah i believe that because you know the foil does block it but the the downside is that you're not getting to trap any of those good juices that yeah. cook out and we use so much of those drippings to flavor stuff i mean at home probably not as much as we do in comps though but it depends on the type of meat to me like i'm not gonna wrap a butt in butcher paper because it renders out so much fat so much moisture that I've tried it. I, I mean, I played around with it. They just, it didn't hold together as well. I mean, I guess you'd have to wrap it in a ton of paper, but it gets so soft and so greasy with all that meat. And the brisket is not as bad. So it does well to it. But in ribs, I guess, didn't cook out as much because we have played around with those, but butts didn't do well in butcher paper. Um, it's a little bit more of a challenge to wrap something in butcher paper. Yeah. I think that's why people, you know, don't really use it. You know, one thing, it's a little hard to source, but I mean, Diva Q has a video where she wrapped a brisket in butcher paper that'll... Show you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that dude's tucked in. Yeah. That's, that's the right way to do it. And one thing that, it's not really an essential barbecue tool, but it's something that's really nice to have is a food saver. We use that a lot for raw meats, for cooked meats. Yeah, I smoked ours this week, so I don't know if we have any food saver. <laughs> really? What happened? <laughs> I was trying to seal up uh, some, what was it, country-style ribs? Yeah. And I never could get the thing to seal. I just kept letting it run and run and run. And then all of a sudden, smoke started coming out. So I unplugged it. And I put it in a Ziploc bag. So I got to add that to the list of things to buy. That is the vacuum savers, we do use them all the time. I mean, when I, you know, we shop at Sam's. And when we, you know, because you're buying stuff in bulk, a lot of times, say, they if we're have buying good a, meat too. Yeah, their meat's times. great. Well, if we're buying, you know, a whole pork loin, we're not going to eat the whole thing at one time. So we'll portion stuff up and just, you know, pork chops or however you want to do it for roast. And then we'll vacuum seal it. Gets all the air out, throw it in the freezer, and it keeps it from freezer burning because you got all the air out, the flavor. It'll even last longer in the freezer. Also, when I take stuff to comps, after we get through trimming, I'll vacuum seal all that meat up and throw it in the cooler. And it's, it's, it's neater, it's cleaner. You spend a little money on vacuum seal bags, but hey, I think it's worth it in the long run. And cooked meat, too. We'll yeah, vacuum, vacuum seal. seal our cooked meat. We, you know, when we have leftover pulled pork or leftover brisket, it's all getting vacuum sealed. I've give even it done, gifts. I've even bought those big expandable bags that they make for the, uh, the food saver, and you can stick a whole full-size aluminum pan in it. I've done it with brisket, the juice, and all. Put Stick it in the bag, close it down, put it in a regular 11-inch vacuum sealer, and it'll suck it down to where it just, you know, you get it all the air out. The juice is right at the top. The pan starts caving in. That thing works great. Yeah. And then you can freeze it just like that. And when you get ready to warm it up, poke a few holes in it, put it in the oven, and warm it right up. That's how that's how I've done it. And yeah. It works fantastic. And it's great to give somebody, like, as a gift. It's all vacuum sealed. It's cooked. It's in a pan. It looks cool. Yeah. If you wanted to, you could stick a label on top. Oh, you know, I'll drop the, to reheat pulled pork. We'll, we'll have it vacuum sealed up, drop it in a pot of you know water that you brought to a bowl, and it'll come right back in 15, yeah. 20 minutes. So that's, I mean. I don't necessarily recommend that one as much because if it's not sealed just right, you'll end up with pork soap. Yeah, well, <laughs> you got to make sure you're running that machine right. That's for sure. I've you had that happen. On. Yeah. Well, so what I do is I fold the edges of the bag down. 
to where I, I keep part of it clean when I load it yeah. with meat. That yeah. way, you fold it up. You got if you got grease or you got fat or anything like that that's in the seal of the bag. It'll of course, it's it. not going to seal as good. Yeah. yeah. So you got to make sure that where your sealing's clean. But you know, those are just some important tools that I think there's a ton more. We can sit here and talk about tools all day. Yeah. But you know, if you guys have any questions about anything, if you want to add something, man, shoot a comment. But let us know. Yeah, share share your knowledge. Hey, what about cookbooks? Are those count as tools? I would say so. Yeah, they're part I, of an arsenal. I love collecting cookbooks. Yeah. You know, we, I know we give each other cookbooks a lot of time for gifts and stuff. We just enjoy reading them, but we get inspiration from them yeah. for the recipes and stuff that we do. I like, you know, I like to see what's out there. Um, some of my favorite ones that you know, recently I, we picked up Jess Prowse's new hardcore car, carnivore. I, I really, love that name, hardcore yeah, carnivore. I haven't uh, dove into that book yet, but I did start reading a little bit of the first part. It looks pretty interesting. Adam Perry Lane's was that serious barbecue. Seri- I think that's called. the name of it. That's probably my all-time favorite. Yeah. I mean, it's got so much great information in it. But Mike and Amy have a good Mike one. Mike and Amy have some great ones. Uh, Diva Q Danielle yeah. has some good ones. Uh, I've got Myron's, Melissa's. Yeah. Those are all ones that come up, you know. Aaron Franklin. Aaron Franklin's is great. I really enjoyed his because his is more of the ideology behind what you're doing with the meat, not just giving you recipes. There's so much more that, that the way he did his. I love that approach the way he did it because he's teaching you something yeah. along with, uh, you know, giving you a recipe. And that's I, that's the kind of books I like. And um, um, this is, he's not. Tuffy's like a, got a new one coming out that it's, I just pre ordered it. I think May 15th is supposed to ship. I'm excited to see what it is. I imagine is. his is going to be very good. Yeah. He's a very thorough guy. You yeah, know? he's into that part of it. The, yeah, the, the science, science part. Yeah. <laughs> of, of cooking barbecue. So that's great. And this, he isn't a barbecue guy, but he's a, a chef. Kevin Gillespie has that oh, pure yeah. pork awesomeness. That's a good one. That is a great book. I mean, I. I the Justin Wilson books you gave me for Christmas. I love <laughs> the Cajun cookbooks. Yeah, I'm in the, the Jambalaya <laughs> mini pot cooking now. I have, I have to give me some Cajun books. <laughs> well, back to the, the old school Cajun cooking. <laughs> well, speaking of Jambalaya mini pot cooking, you did that this week. Yeah, that was one thing. So I know you've heard me talk about my buddy Mark Lambert. Well, if you don't know him, he's a sweet swan of mine guy. And he has a big warehouse that where he does all of his distribution from him. You know, he sells cookers. He sells rubs. He sells. He sells it all. If it's barbecue related, Mark's probably <laughs> sold it or guaranteed he knows somebody that does. But anyway, he's got a big warehouse out in Bahia. They started up with they're calling the Mini Pot Mafia, and the the, um, the idea come from some of our buddies down in Louisiana. Um, I know Adam Gotro and uh, some of uh, his his buddies. They all cook in this jambalaya contest down there, and I think it's Gonzales where the World Jambalaya Cookoff is. Well, through the throughout the year, they do these little mini pot challenges at somebody's house. Well, what's a mini pot? A mini pot is a one quart jambalaya pot. So, if you think cast of a iron. cast iron, kind of a little cauldron. Uh, the big jambalaya pots, you know, there's some big cauldrons, and this one's a one quart one. It would sit right on the table. It'll hold. It's, it's big got enough. three little legs. Yeah, it's big enough to hold about uh, two cups of water and a cup of rice, if you can imagine that. So that's the size of one It doesn't pot. look like it's big enough to hold that. It does look like <laughs> it, but it is, but it is. And so we're, you know, we're cooking jambalaya once a month now. Mini Pot Mafia is what Mark, Mark and Alan and those guys, Eric and Colin, and um, we all pitched in friendly little, uh, it's not really a wager, I guess you're calling it an entry fee, but we wanted to give, you know, the, it's contest. Yeah. <laughs> it's, what, it's a jambalaya cooking contest. 
And so you, the rule. Throw in 20 bucks. Yeah, you throw in 20 bucks on a Tuesday night, bring you some beer, bring, you can bring your meat, your rice, and your water. And, or, you know, and your onions. Whatever vegetable you want to put in. You have to use the seasonings on hand. You can't bring any mixes. Like, you can't bring Tony's. You can't bring Slap Your Mama's. You know, you can't bring any broths or anything that's been made. Can't use hot sauce. It's what seasonings did they have on tan? They had just about everything you want. Townsend's uh, Townsend Spice Company. Uh, I think they're out of Melbourne, Arkansas, and they they're the ones that sent the uh, spice pantry to Mark. You know, that's kind of a spice ship. Cool. They have. Yeah, and they had everything. It was all the little. They have good seasonings know, too. Five or six ounce jar <laughs> of everything. You know, I had my recipe made on my Cajun season. I had it on my phone and I went through there before we all started. I was like, they got this bus, they got this bus. They had them all. Yeah. They had everything I needed. And so I you know, I made my seasoning, cooked my meat. I did a pork a pork and sausage jambalaya. You can use whatever protein you want. Uh, there was all different kinds of And there's of no limit on how many proteins. Yeah, I saw somebody using chicken, shrimp, sausage and crawfish. And then so you can put whatever you want in it as long as it's raw and it's not been seasoned or flavored. So that's, um, and it was fun, man. I come in fifth place. I was happy with that. First time to ever yeah. cook over five. I made jambalaya before, but, you know, of course, I never made my own seasonings just for it. I always, you know, throw some Tony's in it. Let's yeah, kick it up some hot sauce. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's add all this other stuff. But um, to, to do it over coals, you just, the way they did this, had, had it set up, they made this big octagon metal tray. And they just dumped a bunch of hot charcoal in the middle of it, added more. So it was this mountain of hot charcoal. You imagine it got pretty hot standing yeah. around it. And you got a rake, and you put your pot down on the tray, and you rake over how much coals you think you need to get your pot hot. And first thing I did was fry my pork. You know, then I had to take it out after it got browned up good and fry it and brown up my sausage, and then use that oil from the flavor from the pork and the sausage to flavor my onions. So once they got caramelized up, we add it all back, add my seasons, add my rice, add my two cups of water, get the heat away from it, you know, let it bring it to a boil and get the heat away from it. Let it, you know, steam about 10 minutes, turn the rice. That just means folding it over and then let it steam another 20 minutes and you got perfectly cooked jambalaya rice. Does everybody have like a little rake? No, we all shared okay. rakes. <laughs> There's all kind of stuff being used. I don't know exactly how fire safe it was. <laughs> <laughs> How is what's the octagon sitting on? Is it on a well, table? No, it was on some plastic sawhorses and it's about three quarter inch plywood. And we started smelling <laughs> the wood get too hot. So instead of picking up moving it, they took some big full size pans and put water in them and slid that underneath it. So <laughs> it was now there was some ingenuity going on. Well, it's the first one. Yeah, that's the first one. <laughs> Next time, I imagine they'll come up with a different solution for that. Put put that octagon on legs. But that was mini pot cooking. It was a lot of fun. And it's um, y'all are going to do it like once a month? I think it's the second Tuesday out of every month. It's a mini, mini pot mafia. Anybody out there can come to Bayou, Mississippi. Bring your 20 bucks. And if you don't have a mini pot, I'm sure Mark's got a mini pot. He'll sell you. <laughs> and you can get in on the mini pot cooking. You talked about, um, you know, you use some country ribs or some pork. In your jambalaya, and you had some left over. Yeah, so I bought, you know, that was the, the meat I used for my jambalaya. was pork shoulder, but they I bought, at Sam's, Sam's Club. Here we go again, talking about Sam's. But they had a pack of, what it was was some butts that they just sliced into about, I would say, an inch and a half, inch and three quarters size slices. 
and then they come back and cut those, and they call it country style ribs. It's a big strip of pork butts. Yeah. Still got the blade bone in it. A lot of might, fat. Yeah, a lot of fat. A lot of good fat. Yeah. You know, the the money muscle's still there. It's just been cut. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, I can buy a butt for, you know, $16, $17, or I can buy this pack of country style ribs that is a butt already cut up for $13. So I bought that, and I pulled out how much, you know, you can only use one cup of pork in my mini pot. So I just looked for the pieces that had the money muscle, all the, you know, the good tubes. Those are the pieces I used for my mini pot and diced those up. The rest of it, I said, well, I got to cook them because my food's never crapped out on them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I seasoned them up with a little bit of AP, a little bit of the barbecue rub, fired that Traeger back up to about, well, first I started out like 225 on Super Smoke. I wanted to get some flavor on them. And then after about an hour and a half, two hours, I kicked it on up to about 250 and just let them go until they got probe tender. I think they were hitting about 185, but the fat had done rendered. 185? Yeah, they were, they were, they were pretty hot. Yeah. You know, they got up there about, it was about They were tender. They were delicious. Tender as they could be. I didn't wrap them. I didn't baste them. I didn't glaze them. It was just the barbecue rub, a little bit of AP. Smoke. And smoke. What pellets were you using? Pecan. pecan. I had those pecan in there from doing the salmon. And that was, you know, what we had for dinner. I mean, that, yeah. was, that, was, that was really good. Poured a little vinegar sauce on the yeah, side. It was good. I thought yeah. it was better than pork steaks. I'm going to tell you, if you just want something that's good to eat, get you some country-style ribs. <laughs> well, what do you think about that Traeger? You've used it. I've been using it. You know, it's probably my fourth or fifth cook on it. Man, that thing is a beast. It's It'll flat out cook. That's the first Traeger I ever cooked on, the Timberline. I don't know what any of their other models are like, this, but this is the first one I've ever cooked on. And, man, it has impressed me. Yeah. It doesn't use – I think I've still got – I've used a ba- maybe a bag of pellets on five cooks now. Yeah. Because it doesn't use any. One of those cooks was a pork butt. Yeah. It was several hours, you know. I ran it the first time I fired it up for about six hours just to let it run and season yeah. it. It doesn't use any pellets. It's insulated, I guess, so well that it just doesn't require any. You know, I'm used to a pellet cooker, ding, 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 <laughs> yeah. ding, you know, dropping pellets the whole time, running through them. But the, that that trigger doesn't. I don't know what their other models do, but I'm really impressed with the Timberline. The ingenuity to their design, I've, I've, I've been impressed with. And you know yeah. what I like is they make those little sheets you can slide in there underneath your grate they're like oh yeah the full little sheets. yeah yeah it's kind of it reminds me of a pan lid yeah it's a little bit bigger though because i measured them and that's that's just to keep that diverter and the hopper and all that clean i lay a piece of full over that and that way i don't have to you know reuse those yeah. all the time but it it makes cleanup a breeze and i hadn't had i hadn't had to clean the pot out you know, a lot of pellet cookers after each mm-hmm. cook, you got to come back. And you got a lot of. Ash. I took it apart and looked at it, and I guess it goes through a shutdown cycle, and has a fan or something that's blowing. It's clearing it for you, yeah. So it's ready to go next time, and you just hit the button, dial it in where you want it. I hadn't played around with the Wi-Fi feature on it. That's not, you know, that's not something I really use that much. Yeah. I mean, I'm always out and about in my grills. I'm checking on them every so often anyway, so I'm not really into the. Oh, Wi-Fi. I have some thermometers and stuff that do that, but very rare that I use them. Yeah. That's just not your Yeah, unless bag. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Overnight, I can see it might be handy just for the alarm. But Well, let's talk a little bit about the other half of our life, competition barbecue. Oh, yeah. We had, we had you know, we cooked the NBN contest last weekend, and 
Man, that was one of the coldest, coldest contests that I personally And it's April. I know, it's <laughs> April. It was sleeting and snowing. It rained most of the time. We were cooking in mud. I mean, it was just, it was miserable. I mean, now, don't get me wrong. I had good times. We had a good finish. <laughs> we, uh, me and Wayland, we'll say we were fifth in shoulders and seventh in ribs. And for not doing an NBN contest for years, I thought that was pretty good. And Wayland got but, his first top 10 as Wayland, state. That was first, the first of the year. Of the year, yeah. 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 Wayland come in a strong 10th. Uh, Kendall and Sarah, they're still in the top 10 every time they cook SCA. So we're proud to have them on state team. <laughs> Williams they're and, keeping us alive. Yeah, Williams and me, man, I'm, I'm making it look bad. I'm either like in the top five or I'm about middle of the pack. That's just the story of my life there. But, uh, hey, I'm, I'm going to get one here pretty soon. Watch. What do you got coming up this week? This week we're going to Savannah, Tennessee, do a little KCBS cooking. Um, I'm excited about it because – No steak, no – No steak, just KCBS. Uh after we do this podcast, I'm fixing to go prep all my meat and get everything ready so I can load up and get out of here tomorrow. I got a trim chicken. Uh, you got to go get some chicken. I've been thinking chicken. about Man, it. You're the best chicken trimmer. I swear. I don't need anybody <laughs> trimming as good as you. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> I like how you juice me up. Yeah, I have to. Because I've been trimmer. dreading it for like the past 12 hours. You haven't had trim chicken in three or four weeks. I know. So we, I should be grateful. Yeah, you should be grateful you get to do it. Well, yeah, we're doing KCBS this weekend. Um, I'm, you know, I'm fully expecting to go up there and win. Waylon, without me, was reserved grand a couple weeks ago. In so you're going to push him over so the top? So why can't I push him over the top? <laughs> I'm definitely going to be pushing and driving him. <laughs> Whether we go get there, I don't know. <laughs> I hope we get better weather. Yeah. I hope we all get better weather because I'll – I kind of got lucky last week because you called me Saturday morning when I was getting ready to, to head to, like to the contest. That's the first contest I ever told you don't come. <laughs> it was miserable. I'm telling you. I don't, I, I don't know if I've been more miserable at a contest. I, mean, you just I had my boots and my rain jacket and everything. I was ready to go. And we stayed holed up in the trailer. We didn't We didn't come out. Yeah. You ask anybody was there. Me and Wayland were inside. And we had the heater going. Mm-hmm. Wayland didn't turn the air conditioner on. <laughs> That's how cold it was because he likes to keep it, you know, smooth 56. <laughs> He's in there talking about it's cold. We got to turn this heater on. I said, Yes. <laughs> Teeth aren't shattering. At least we're on some heat. I'm getting up to, you know, 40s in there. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. We've covered everything I wanted to cover. Well, Anything good, else yeah. you got to. Um, we did talk about what we got coming up cooking. I've got some hanger steaks in the. You know, oh yeah, what what I have this right here. What recipe are you planning for next week? I'm planning on doing some hanger steaks. I don't know if you've ever had those. I mean, I know I you've had them. Them. I'm talking to everybody out there listening to the podcasts. I don't y'all had them, but hanger steak. Uh, it might be called a butcher steak. Really great tasting beef. It's kind of a cross between a fillet and a ribeye. Um, you know, they're they're lesser known cuts, but um, they're very you know, good. But they're very good to eat. So I'm going to do, uh, plan on doing that next week. How are you uh, going to do it? Have you thought about it? Yeah. I mean, I treat it just like it's a, a beef, like a little piece of a, a beef tenderloin. So we just season it on the outside and cook it, you know, on all sides, flipping it around. Doesn't take very long. And I'm I'm cooking these to, to our liking. I'm keeping them rare. 
Rare uh, plus. Know, yeah, yeah, rare pluses. I'm no, I, I guarantee you I'm not going further than 125 with them. Yeah. I refuse to. That's where I want. <laughs> this isn't for contests. This is for our pleasure. <laughs> and it, are they just going to be sliced and served? Yeah, you just you slice it like a steak. Put a probably put a little sauce. Well, I didn't know if it. you had a plan of a taco or a no, you know, no. This sandwich is just or? this is just good eating beef. That's uh, the way it should be served, yeah. like a ribeye or a oh yeah, yeah or serve something. it with some potatoes or something asparagus like that. maybe. Yeah, asparagus would go great with it. I don't know if I'm going to do a side dish. Yeah, I'm probably just going to do the beef, and that's going to be it next week. Is it another steak contest after that? So, is it going to be a straight kind of sear? You going to reverse sear it? You going to smoke it? Um, no. uh, You know, I'm going to kind of brown it on all edges first over direct heat, and then I'll probably you know have it to where you could get it off of it if you needed to. But they're not super thick hanger steaks aren't. By the time you get them trimmed, um, it's. You know, it'll remind me of the size of the tail end of kind of a beef one. Yeah. Because it's odd shape. By the time you get through with it, it'll have like three sides. You know, it's not perfectly symmetrical all the way around. So you just want to keep it moving. And that's what, I, that's what I'm going to do. Keep it moving on the grill. Get it seared. Get a it'll good take about eight minutes. Time. It's a fast cook. I mean, they're simple. You can't hardly screw them up as long as you don't cook them, overcook them. That's so that's going to be next week. And we'll have a video for that. And we'll talk about how it went. And we appreciate uh, you guys and gals for listening to the podcast. Uh, you can connect with Malcolm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at How to Barbecue Right. And you can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Southern Shell. That's right. <laughs> You'll see some, all the cool pictures of our dog and everything else. <laughs> Mamas and donkeys, yeah. Y'all have a great week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>